right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. All right? Let's go. Crank it. Crank it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Nick, uh, did we go hey. back in time or, or what happened here? Because uh, Zach Clements is now once again a part of the KU roster. Wait, who? Zach Clements. That you remember the same him? one? Wait, you remember the same him? Guy? Yeah. You remember that guy from a few months ago? Wait. Used to be on KU. Wait, it's all coming flooding back. <laughs> the guy oh my gosh. Who, the guy who uh basically won he shot KU the, game the Oklahoma winner. game yes. against uh in, in freshman year. Well, he no, and yeah, yeah. Wisconsin. yeah, ultimate heat checks against Wisconsin. Shot the game winner that was not made by him, but was <laughs> tipped back in by somebody else. Listen, I'm giving him credit for that. What, like an assist credit? I'm just giving him credit. Yeah. Uh, just some sort of credit. I'm giving um, him credit. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, man, that guy. He's, he's back. back. He's back. Wow. Uh, so he's enrolled in classes at KU during the summer, and uh, we had a chance to speak with Bill Self earlier today. We'll share all that audio throughout today's show, so you'll hear plenty from him talking about Clemens, the NBA draft, and plenty more. Uh, Kevin Flaherty is going to join the show at 440. We will uh, also have a uh, top five best and worst things about coming back from vacation. I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, that's a good one. That's good. And then uh, we have a Do We Give a Bleep in the 5 o'clock hour in addition to all that uh, Bill Self audio. Plus, we're going to have plenty of NBA draft profiles throughout the show today. So it uh, should be a fun time with everything. Let's start with Clements, though. Uh, so Clements, if you remember, played two seasons at Kansas, played sparingly about five minutes per game I, I do both rem- seasons. I do remember now, yeah. Yes. I didn't remember until you actually just said, do you remember? <laughs> and then I thought, and I was like, wait, I do remember. Well, there were, there were certainly some oh, – we brought up the Wisconsin. There were certainly some – some uh, memorable moments. The Oklahoma killer. Yes. Even, I mean, his freshman year, they beat Oklahoma because of him. Then this past year, he scores 10 points against Oklahoma, which I think was his uh, career high, maybe. Yeah. I don't know if he got, like, more than that Oklahoma's in just, like, a random non-cut game. Exactly. So, uh, I guess you can chalk it up that KU will be beating Oklahoma this year. So, that's yeah. positive, even yeah. though... They were uh, going to be bad, probably. Yeah, he and he's supposed to be redshirting. So, uh, we'll get to that in a second here. Um, so I guess how this all went down, because you might be wondering, and is he eligible and yada, 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 all this stuff. Yeah, what's what's going on over there, or in this case, over here? Yeah, I guess technically we could count this as, hey, what's <laughs> going on over here? So Bill Self talked about this at the uh, media availability today, and again, we'll share the audio coming up later in this hour. And uh, basically, um, Zach Clements, if you remember, entered the transfer portal as part of that first big wave of players entering the portal with Cam Martin and Bobby Pettiford and all these guys. Ended up committing to his recruitment. It seemed like took longer than the other guys, which yeah. I think looking back maybe and shows that there was more a, bit of a low trepidation. Pro, yeah, it was more of a yeah. low profile type thing. And, and then maybe there were like he, he was having trouble like picking exactly where he wanted to go. Maybe he didn't love all of his options. You know, you ever like uh, with a significant other, uh, the, the worst thing that can happen, you go home and you're like, what do you want to do for dinner tonight? You're like, I don't know. You're like, I don't know. Nothing sounds good to me either. Maybe that was Man. the situation for Zach Clements. And so he, he ends up picking UCSB, which beautiful campus, a, a team that has made the tournament a couple times recently and, you know, was was up on Baylor at halftime. They tend yep. to bring in some 
Power five level yeah, they, players. They the kids from Auburn. Treore, yeah, yeah, former four or five star recruit. Um, they, they were building a pretty good team and, and obviously great weather and campus and everything in Santa Barbara. Um, but have, you been, have you been to Santa Barbara? I have, yeah, multiple times. Yep, beautiful area. Um, beautiful campus. I, I would never blame somebody for going to college there. Never been. Uh, also, the Gauchos, which is a cool team name. Gauchos right? is cool. Yeah. yeah, Gauchos is sick, actually. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons to like it, but also at the same point in time, you know, if you're if you're Zach Clements and you enter the transfer portal and you're this guy who was this former four-star recruit and, you know, went to Kansas. And, you know, I, I think just inherently, if you're somebody who goes to one of these big schools, if you go to Kansas or Kentucky or Duke or whatever, you, I think, are immediately thinking when you get that offer, I'm going to be a future NBA player one day. And then all of a sudden things don't go as well as you hoped in your first couple of years. You play five minutes per game. The thought is, okay, well, I'm going to transfer. I'm going to get some big-time offers. You know, I'm going to get some offers like when I was coming out of high school and I had all these big offers and ended up going to Kansas. And you end up, maybe your best offer is going to UCSB. And, again, no slight on UCSB because it, it is a good program for, you know, being a mid-major and everything. But in your mind, you're thinking, what the heck? I thought I was a pro player. Why, why aren't more schools calling me? Could have gone to another Power 5. Exactly, right? Something. Or some other, you know, like with Ernest, it's like, oh, Duke comes calling, right? That's a little bit different. And... Then you end up if if you go to UCSB, you know you're you're probably going to make a lot more NIL money even being a tenth eleventh guy on KU than you would be even one of the starting players at UCSB at a smaller school. Yes, one hundred percent. Especially at a school in California like that, like UCSB, where there's probably not like a ton of fan interest. You know what I mean? Maybe I don't uh, know. We we see like UCLA not show out to football games, yeah, and they have like yeah. a a good football program, right? Yeah. And I, I don't know enough about the UCSB. That's population. true. It's California. There's a lot of stuff yeah. to do. You can go. I don't know. Right. Other I, I don't know. For all I know, UCSB I has even, this okay. burgeoning rabid fan. Where's base, but Santa Barbara at in California? It's in uh, like Southern Central California. So like near LA. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I don't I mean, know. I listen, I don't know my California geography. You should know this. Well, I, I mean, it's it's like two hours. Okay, that's two-hour drive. Yeah, that's pretty close. I would so say. it's just it, it's west of LA. It, it's you know so on it's, a beach. Oh or, yeah. Oh okay. Okay. Drive through Ventura, get to Santa Barbara. Ventura's that, about your halfway stop. You can means, stop at Carpinteria. That means nothing to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I didn't think it would, uh, but yeah, no, it's it's a beautiful school and everything like that. I mean, the, oh, I have no doubts. Yeah, yeah. I have no doubts. And there are a lot of those schools that are like that out there, like Pepperdine. Oh my gosh, unbelievable. But um, so so you're Zach Clements and you're sitting here and you're going, man, I'm not going to get paid as much money. Like, yeah, I'll be better. I'll put up some good stats. I'll probably start for this team. Maybe we could make an NCAA tournament run. And then your your maybe your expectations start to, and this is me just kind of you know spitballing and, and thinking sure. of what would be going through my head. Yeah. Um, and you're starting to think, you know. Is the grass always greener? Like, like, is this a situation where maybe I should go back? And so what ended up happening, and this part is not me spitballing. This is Bill Self speaking. He said that Zach Clemens called him. And so I, I think, I'm sure if you're Bill Self, you're probably checking in with all your players, how they're doing. Are you settling in? Like, are you happy in your new spot? And, and you know, you're, you're still keeping those relationships open. Um, but he called him, and, and Bill Self said he this kind of caught him off guard. He wasn't expecting it. That Zach kind of posed the idea of possibly coming back. And obviously things were different when Zach first transferred, right? How much of when Zach first transferred was it KU kind of showing him the door? Was it like, hey, this and that? How much of it was KU saying showing him the door because they had Zuby Edgefer and Ernest Duda and KJ Adams on the roster? Yeah. And then how much of it was just Zach saying, I want to transfer because I want more opportunity, and you have those guys on the roster 
to where that would change now. Ernest and Zuby are gone. And and I know you say, well, okay, but they have Parker Brown and they have Hunter Dickinson now. So isn't that kind of the same thing? You still could have two centers in front of you. Here's why it's different. The biggest thing with Ernest and Zuby were that it's not just that those guys could be in line with you or ahead of you this year. It's that those guys represented future starting centers for your program. Yes. For not this just this upcoming I mean, season, but the season after. Why, why was everyone so mad that Ernest transferred? Right. Because he was profiled to be the next center for KU. Right. Possibly as early as next season. Yeah. You know, come 2024, 25, or yeah. come 2025. Was only here for one yeah. year, Ernest Uday. Bam. Well, yeah. guess what? See ya. Not and that's anymore. the beauty now for Zach Clements where he's going, yeah, okay, maybe it doesn't lead to a lot of playing time this year, but if I do well, if I practice well, if I improve well enough, you know, I still am a former, you know, top 50 recruit, that there is actually an opening now for playing time in the future. It might not be this year, but what if Hunter Dickinson goes after the end of this year? What if, well, I guess Parker Brown does, uh, you know, exhaust his, his eligibility after this year. Yeah, yeah, right. So he, he has one year left. What if KJ Adams, it works with him at the four, and now he's only playing four minutes in the future and not playing five? And also to begin with, we always kind of talked about the idea, especially with Kevin Flaherty, that like if they ever got the KJ Zach Clements front court to work, it would be kind of perfect because you have Clements who could invert it and shoot threes and KJ who, even if he can't shoot, you have that that perfect situation. Yeah. So you, you see why that would make sense and why he'd be interested in that. And you, you probably get more NIL money, as I mentioned. Uh, and then what becomes the, the interesting part in this is that Bill Self mentioned he's going to redshirt. And you might think off the top of your head, well, he he just transferred to UCSB. He's transferring back to KU. He used his free transfer to go to UCSB. Of course, he has to redshirt. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. He is actually immediately eligible, technically. He uh, never enrolled in classes. We were looking the other day. Yeah, at, we, we were trying to sort yeah. out like what the rules were because of the West Virginia stuff. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, well, at what point? Because like, are you we had this discussion, considered you know, there? When you come out of high school, you sign a letter of intent or you sign you know a, a piece of paper that says this is what I'm doing. With the transfer portal, it doesn't seem like there's that sort of hard like commitment type thing where it's like, okay, yes, you have to do this by this date or whatever, and then boom, you're you're locked in. And I don't know that there is that. That it seems like it's much more of a gray area than it is with a high school kid, you know. Oh, a hundred percent. So that so then it's like, okay, well, if you know, if you never enroll and you never took like, I think the other part of it was. Clements never took financial aid either from UCSB, which is I think that's the big one. So, like, if if you end up on campus and you start using your scholarship or your yeah. financial aid to get a house on or an apartment or whatever, yeah, or if yeah, you are enrolled so it's in like classes, if you never actually you're practicing, right? Did anything? Then like you could just kind of be like, oh, I changed my mind. Psych. Yeah, you know, it's the same this way. Goes, this goes back to the idea of there's a hard date where you have to enter the transfer portal, but you can do whatever you mm-hmm. want. I think once you're in it, yeah. you can leave, you can come back, you can do whatever you want. Right, and technically, because you're just coming back, like you know, it it doesn't have any impact on anything. So he's actually immediately eligible because th- none of that happened. It's just the plan for him to redshirt, which we'll makes see. sense because yeah. I I think it makes sense I mean, for a couple could, reasons. I mean, the redshirt thing, I think, it makes somewhat sense, I guess, but also like injuries. I mean, this could be a right. situation where he might need to actually be playing. Well, the beauty of him being immediately eligible is that. I guess to you your could, point, you could do the Oach thing. Just if there is, yeah. yeah, if there is an injury, you can do the Ochai Baji thing, pull the red shirt if you really have to. If you get down to a dire circumstance, but also like they can say the plan is for him to red shirt now, and and I do. I, I'm not yeah, saying I mean, it's that June 20th, right, right? Right. Four months. Like that can be the plan now, and and that would not be them lying or anything. I'm just saying that things can change. In that, like, what happens if all of a sudden 
you know, the plan now is the redshirt. But Zach Clements comes in. He has a renewed spirit. He gets stronger than he's ever been. He he, he breaks out as a third-year player as a former top 50 recruit, which that does tend to happen for players. And all of a sudden, you're like watching practice as you lead up to the season. You're like, I don't know, man. Zach Clements, he's kind of better than Parker Brown right now. And it's like, <laughs> oh, my gosh, he's he's made a big jump. Like, he's maybe even better than the KJ minutes at the five. Or, or maybe it gives us more flexibility. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, I know we were planning on redshirting him, but he's pretty good. He's pretty good now. Like, we, we have to play. There's yeah. nothing stopping you from being like, oh, cool. Well, we'll just play him then. And we have an extra body, right? I also think this situation raises an interesting point in regards to the transfer portal in totality in that you don't you can't predict the future. You can't predict what a team or a roster is going to look like further down the road. And this is a perfect example of that, of Zach Clements who either – you know, either KU was like, hey, listen, you're probably not going to get a chance to play because we've already got a couple guys already lined up. Like, maybe you should look at your options elsewhere. And Zach Clements was like, okay, yeah, I do want to go play somewhere else. And then two months later, the two guys that KU thought they were going to get leave, and Zach Clements is having second thoughts and is like, wait a second. Now there's an opportunity maybe for me, for me to return and do that, right? So it just makes me wonder if there are guys that transfer early or commit to another school early if maybe they do have those thoughts later on in the road, like let's say, you know, you transfer out of the school like basically Zach Clements did because there's two guys in front of you and then those two guys end up leaving or, you know, maybe they go pro or something like that. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you're like, well, crap, now I'm at this other school that I would have preferred to just stay where I was at if I had known that that was going to happen. Yeah. So it, it raises an interesting point about the the just the general tumultuousness of what the new offseason is now with the transfer portal in the sense of, the grass may not be always greener on the other side, like you said, where you might leave early thinking, oh, yeah, I'm not having any opportunities, and then the dominoes fall another way, and suddenly it might have made more sense for you to stick around. So I, it's it's so tough because, like I said, you can't, you can't really predict that type of stuff, but I just wonder if there are more players in college basketball, like, like a Zach Clements, who transfer out of somewhere for one reason or another, and then things fall to where maybe they, if they could return, maybe they might have. I don't Probably know. I don't know. that that's part of. Unfortunately, like something I mean, has to happen first. Exactly. To like, yeah. You know. It's like it's exactly like it's like it's it's a very very tough situation. Well, and, I, and I I feel bad for players because you know like Zach Clements back in at the end of the season back in April was probably thinking yeah I do need to probably move on where I can go somewhere and have yeah. a chance to play. But I think and this now also goes back to the conversations you were having or he was having with the staff. Like at the time, the staff. I think felt confident that Zuby and Ernest oh, yeah. were going to be back. Oh, yeah. At that point, I don't know that Hunter Dickinson was even in the portal to begin yeah, exactly. with. Exactly. So it's know? not even like it's not like there's any sort of like nefarious. So the staff was probably like, or, yeah, we have those guys back. Yeah, right? exactly. They're being it's, honest. It's not like there's any sort of you know shady things going on. It's just timing. Yeah. It's just some things happen that maybe you didn't expect to happen. Whether you're a player, whether you're a staff, whatever. And but I just I just wonder if that doesn't leave this feeling of if there are players that are at new schools that maybe second guess that a little bit. I probably. But I, I think and I don't I don't I'm not, I'm not saying that's all players or it, it may it may be just a small fraction of them, but I mean I I would assume there's probably some out there. Yeah. This does work out well though for KU with with him being able to redshirt because you do kind of get humbled going through that transfer portal process where you're content with that. As we mentioned Things could change in that regard, but that allows you to, if he is willing to do the redshirt thing, which again, self-said was the plan, to not upset Parker Brown, who decided to come here on his final year of college, right? You don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about it upsetting 
Um, does it change the minutes for KJ where instead of KJ now getting, you know, eight to 10 minutes at the five, which was going to give you more minutes at the four to possibly give to like Marcus Adams, right? You don't have to worry about it impacting that, which is a good thing because it doesn't negatively affect the current guys you have with the roles they could play with the minutes they could play. It gives him another year to kind of just have a calm year to add strength, add inside play to his game, learn from Hunter Dickinson, right? There's a lot there. You just have to worry about the pressures. You check the box with depth. Yeah, mm-hmm. you have a little more depth than maybe you did. I mean, yeah. I mean, still, you feel like if if one of Hunter Dickinson or KJ Adams goes down with an injury, it's pretty devastating. But at least now you have potentially the bodies to at least put them on the floor, right? To keep to feel it's still. And you can at least talk yourself into like, oh, well, maybe this is the year Clemens breaks out, right? <laughs> Whereas if if your only big is is Parker Brown, it's like, okay, we, we think he can be a serviceable backup emergency big man, but. There's not the potential there of, of Zach Clements to maybe get you through that a little bit more. And potentially in, in regards to like the scholarship numbers, maybe you're saying, well, what's even the point of bringing on a player if you're just going to redshirt him? Because at that point, if he's not going to make uh, an impact on this year's team, um, shouldn't you just burn the, uh, the the extra scholarship and have an extra one for the future? Here's my thing. OK, so you have to lose three scholarships over the next three years. Correct. Right. Yes. There are 11 right now. So you're still burning two in one year, which means that the next season you could have 12 guys and the season after that you could have 13 that makes sense to me that, that's still more than having 12 listen, guys I'm not, I'm not the smartest guy in the world right. but that 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 checks out yes having 12 guys is going to be more than fine like <laughs> you having uh, an 11th guy this year who's red shirting versus having a 12th guy next year as opposed to having a 13th guy like who cares who cares that the difference between the 12th and 13th guy next year it does not matter so it's fine you're using that scholarship uh in this regard and it's gonna help you in practice too you have an extra big man that's always good oh, yeah. yeah bill self talked about that with the patrick cassidy the walk-on is the idea of just having talented bodies practice guys to go up to have your starters go up against is beneficial that right. you don't necessarily see from the fan perspective. Well, you just need bodies in general. Because think about it. If you're going to do a five-on-five scrimmage during practice, realistically, you're going to need a couple subs on each team to sub in. Guys are going to get tired. You're running up and down the floor, right? <laughs> and you're trying to give different looks. So at least you need seven or eight guys on each team. But then over the course of a season, especially during practice, like players are going to get injured. Because there are players who will get injured and not practice, but then play in a game, for instance, right? Sure. Players yeah. are going to get injured. They're going to get nicked up. Players are going to get sick, right? You're not going to have your full 17, 18 guys or whatever each and every practice. You have to have enough bodies to get through that stuff. Um, and also, it gives you coverage back to the idea that, you know, Zuby and Ernest could have been your future centers. If Hunter Dickinson's gone after this one season, Parker Brown's obviously gone, and they decide to play KJ Moore at the four, your only center on the roster at that point would be Zach Clements. And whether that means now obviously you could go back to the portal, you of course, recruit whatever. But the idea is there, right? That like that it, it, the it veteran guy coming back, yeah, and it gives you options because then if if this season as a red shirt, you see those improvements to where you're like, we are comfortable with him being our starting center. Then yeah. great, and then you you recruit to that, you recruit your backup bigs, you you go to the transfer portal for your backup bigs, or you go into the season, and you're like, yeah, we still don't know, but. We feel like he can play the Parker Brown, the Mitch Lightfoot role this year, and we'll go to the portal to recruit our next Hunter Dickinson. Right? It gives you options, and it gives you options for 2025 because if he's redshirting, gives you two more years with a big man there. So yeah. I, a lot yeah. of good things. Uh, there is a hilarious scenario here that could unfold, and I'm not saying this to be expected or anything, especially not after today, but I do want to bring up the possibility because it would be hilarious to me. Okay. Uh, now that Zach Clements... He has not transferred. He has come back to KU. That means he has not used his one free transfer yet. Okay. Technically, 
Zach Clements red shirts this year. And then just transfers. Hunter Dickinson comes back next year. And he's like, well, shoot. He could transfer again, right? <laughs> UC Santa Barbara. <laughs> I'm coming you up? back. <laughs> I'm coming home, baby. Would that not be, like, hilarious? That would be wild. Okay, also, I didn't want to ask you this. Mm-hmm. Where Has this offseason been the wildest offseason in KU basketball history, you think? Just in terms of pure chaos? Yeah, it's it's always hard when you you add the qualifier in, in like all of KU basketball time, right? Because we, we don't know what happened. Wild For all we know, in like 1940, <laughs> there was something shady going on. Or, you know, with, with I don't know, some big-time well, recruit true. in the 50s, no, right? The off-seasons the, the off with like World War. That's that, true. That has to be the most wild. It's like who's playing, who's going to the war? <laughs> we don't know, right? And after, like, the war, after World War, it's like. Shoot, man! I know you're in the war, but we filled your scholarship. I didn't yeah, know, exactly. you know. Like, oh, so, you coming back? Yeah, we didn't know. We thought you were just ready to start your everyday job. So I don't. <laughs> I, I guess that would classify. Um, but it, also, if you think back to those past years, there was less players going pro early, less players oh, yeah, transferring. Sure. So no, I mean, probably. I, I mean, it I probably think, is. Yeah, I mean, I think if you wanted to be more realistic about it, you could say like, "Is this the, of the modern season? era?" Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Of like the last ten years, where you've really fully gotten to like the whole transfer portal thing with guys, you know, declaring whatever. And You've had so many out. leave. You've had yes. so many come in. You've yes. had freshmen who were committed, decommit. You've had late freshmen join the team. You've had transfers come on who are D1 scholarship players at other programs to walk on. You've had a bunch of walk-ons come in. You've had now a kid who entered the portal and, and now is coming back. Like, yeah, <laughs> it, it checks every box for like every possible of, scenario. Yes, of like just pure insane Chaos. Yeah, player coming back from the NBA draft. Yep, Kevin McCuller, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, see, so yeah, you pretty much have everything crossed <laughs> off. So you're right. This is this certainly of the modern era. Certainly it's the best be, era. Yeah, it's got to be the cra- one of the craziest. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm but Derek Johnson. Are they oh. done? <laughs> okay, I declared they were done. Yeah, that's literally true. yesterday. Now wait, does this count? Because technically, when you said they were done yesterday, Zach Clements technically, if he never enrolled at UCSB, was then in theory you could stretch yourself to say he was. Always a part of KU. So theoretically, they could have been done then and still would be done now. I think I'm trying to no, stretch this out you, for you. If you come back from the transfer, if you're in the transfer portal, mm-hmm. you're not on the team anymore. But it's weird because you I can't. Don't think. You also don't really count this as an addition. Why wouldn't you? Because he was on the roster last year, right? <laughs> no, it's it's uh, it's addition by subtraction. Or no, that's not right. It's it's subtraction <laughs> then addition. <laughs> So your net is zero. So so it's not an addition or subtraction. <laughs> Does that make sense? Not I really. That, I don't even think that makes sense. Because again, like he, sometimes I just it's not saying. a new player. Like it's not an income. That's a good question. Can, is Zach Clements eligible for Big Twelve Newcomer of the Year? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Wait. No. No, because uh, no. Yeah, he's not eligible. Okay. That's so that's, that's not final, an addition. That's my final answer. Which means it's not an addition, so technically... But he wasn't eligible last year either. <laughs> I know. I don't know. This is very confusing. Uh, but yeah, Zach Clements is back, and that uh, gives KU 11. We'll talk more tomorrow on... on Because there were some comments from Bill Self, and, and we'll play that audio for you coming up later in the show here uh, about KU's roster, sitting at 11, and, and that sort of stuff. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Four o'clock hour. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. 
Nick Springer. I am Derek Johnson. We're going to get to our top five best and worst things about coming back from vacation here in just a moment. Kevin Flaherty is going to join us later this hour, and we got more Bill Self audio too. But before we get into any of that, um, you know, the NBA draft is happening. Oh. And uh, we've had all of these NBA draft player profiles. We, we shared the one earlier in the show about uh, Manny, I think it was Manny Smith, um, you know, and, and some of these guys that maybe you haven't heard of, unlike the KU players or some of the top guys in the draft. Bob Maloney is a uh, very interesting draft prospect. We also have a draft prospect of Sinclair Touche. Uh, Nick, which one would you like to play here? Uh, Sinclair Touche. Okay, Sinclair Touche. Which is just a great name to begin with. I don't know if he's French or what, but uh, yeah, let's let's hear from our guy Joel Becker on uh, this NBA draft prospect. Sinclair Touche. No player is better at answering an opponent's run or momentum than Sinclair Touche, a six foot two guard from Lyon, France. As part of the French youth national team, Touche literally never made a single shot when his team was in the lead or tied up. However, he literally never missed a shot when his team was losing and had just given up a basket. He's the perfect run-ender, as his coach would bring him in when giving up an 8-0 run or would use him to trade threes for twos anytime the opposition made a shot in the lead. He's the perfect late-game role player to inch a team closer but don't count on him to start or be consistent. Expect Touche to be undrafted, but immediately find a role in the NBA. Wow, so that's tough. So he literally cannot make a shot if they're tied or losing, or, or yep. tied or winning. Yep. But if they're losing and the other team makes a shot, I guess indicative of his last name, he's able to yep. respond. So he's, he's the perfect sixth man. Your, your, yeah. team is, your team gets off to a slow start. Touche. Get in there. Do you think Bang. that's tough to explain to him, though, to be like, hey, man, like if we're winning, I can't put you well, in the game. Surely he Does must he be know, aware right? of it. He has right? to. I mean, right? if he never hits a shot when his team's in the lead, then, like, you know, uh huh. he must know. Yeah. But right? it, it, I mean, what is that player does, worth? Does I know, somebody tell him? I know the profile says probably undrafted, but like I would use a, I would, I'd I feel pick like that guy maybe in the end of the first I round. I feel like he's pretty valuable. Yeah, because if because you're if down you can't nine, miss, right? Then that's very. He valuable. brings you back in every game. <laughs> yes. If you're down nine with three minutes left, you bring him in. He shoots five threes or, or get, however many threes it takes to get you within a point. Yep. Then, then you pull you him, out, him out, bring your guys back in. There you, you go. Get back down four again. You bring him back in. Right. <laughs> it's a perfect situation. You you would never yeah, get know, blown I out. Actually, you would never get blown out. I actually think he has some high value. Yeah, I think it's a lottery pick. The more I think about it, yes. So I, I think NBA's, on NBA is yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's for sure. Okay, uh, we'll have another draft profile later on in the show. But right now, let's get to our top five best, our top five worst things about coming back from a vacation. And uh, Nick was was just back from a vacation, so you probably yeah. have some uh, good thoughts on on some of these. That's yeah, for sure. Okay, do you want to start with best or worst? Um, let's like start with worst. Yeah, right? let's start with worst. Okay, bad one. What do you got? So, uh, honorable mention list. I have um, the house being too warm or too cold. I don't know if like you when do you this. get back. Yeah, but like w- when I leave for a summer vacation, I turn my air up. You know, to maybe mid to high seventies. Okay, because okay. I'm not going to be there. Time out. Yeah, we need to have a discussion. Okay. <laughs> if you're if you if your house is set at seventy two. Mm-hmm. And you're going to change the temperature from, of the house for vacation from 72 to 75. Yeah. Are you turning your AC up or oh. down? 
I guess technically you're turning it down. I'm turning Correct. the temperature up, but yes. I'm turning the AC down. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Yes. Okay. We're in agreement there? Yeah. Okay. I think so. There are other people that think it's the other way around. No, I I, I see why that makes sense. Because, yeah, you're, you're, yeah, the air conditioning is getting less powerful, so you're turning it down, right? Yes. But the temperature is going up. So, yeah, it just depends how you view it. Uh, but then it's the opposite. Like in the winter, in the winter, if you leave your house, you, you can't let it go too cold because you don't yeah. want any pipes to burst or anything. But, yeah. you know, maybe yeah. when you're not there instead of— I mean, of, yeah, you're just trying to save money. While exactly. you, I mean, you know, while you're not yeah. there, you don't want to—there's no reason to keep yeah. it nice. But then exactly when you get back, especially it sucks if it's, like, nighttime and it's like, oh, no, it's like 77 degrees in the house, like— it's hot in here. I want to go to sleep, all that stuff. That kind of sticks. Okay. But okay. into the uh, top five here. Okay. Number five on the worst, saying uh, goodbye to friends. Sometimes you go on vacation. This is exclusive True, to vacations, yeah. Where, yeah. Or, or I guess family. You go on vacations with family or friends, and you got to say bye to them. Yeah. No, this is exactly what fun. I did. Especially yeah. I saw some friends and had to say bye. Yeah. Always makes it sad. Are you? Okay, but I'm bad at saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'll just be like, all right, bye. Because <laughs> I, 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 I make it awkward. So Are you a big Irish goodbye person? Not really, no. You're just an awkward goodbye person. I'm just an person. awkward goodbye person. I don't know how to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, that that's that's a classic Midwest person trait. I don't know if you have that or not, but, I mean, the, the classic Midwest person trait is you say goodbye to the other person like 20 times. Right. But then you keep going. Yeah, you, you say so goodbye. Like, you say, so there's like phases. You like, you know, you're at their house or whatever. Your guys are hanging out. Everybody stands up. All right. See you later. Then you talk for like 10 more minutes. Mm-hmm. Then you eventually get to the door. All right, yeah, see ya. Then you talk for another 10, 15 more minutes. Then you eventually get out, like, outside the door into, like, the driveway to your car, talk again for another 5, 10, then you finally leave. Yeah. Uh, the, the the usual, uh, I guess, go-to is like, well, you know, and, that, and then that's when you're that's like, all right, we got to go. Yeah, yes. right. Uh, in that time. Yeah, that's definitely a Midwest thing. Okay, uh, number four of the worst things is lots of laundry. Yeah, yeah, I had that on my list, too. Because you're not doing well, laundry okay. when you're there. Here's what I had on my list. I had getting home on Sunday afternoon and realizing you still have to do all your weekend chores. Yes. So, like, grocery shopping, laundry, if you need to, like, mow the lawn. Mm-hmm. If, you if you got you know, dishes to do. Dishes to, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I had that on my list, which is getting back home Sunday afternoon. You know, you got you get up off your flight or you were driving or whatever. You're tired. You get home. You open your fridge. Empty. <laughs> you look at your dishwasher. You look at your sink. Full of dishes. You got a bunch of dirty clothes from your vacation. So you got to do all this crap still on Sunday. Yep. And you're like, oh, now I have to work tomorrow too. So yep, anyway. Exactly. Uh, and that brings us to number three, going back to work. Now, <laughs> this isn't always the case. Like, I, I enjoy my job. And there are times when I, I actually go on vacation, I get back and I'm like, oh, man, I didn't get a chance to talk about this or this thing just happened and I'm excited to go back and talk about it. And, That's fair. You know, I, again, I do like my job. So it's not like yeah, I, I yeah. dread it. That's why it's not number two or number one. But in general, if you gave me the option of being on vacation or going to work, like obviously I'm taking being on vacation. Yeah, I put uh, for me, I put like thinking about all the things you have to do on Monday. That's yeah, so, like that, when that's you good. get back, like you know, the Sunday scaries exactly, definitely apply yeah, going here. Going in and like, oh, dude, I'm gonna have because like, listen, if you're like me when you're on vacation, phone off, email off, I'm not looking at anything. I never so understand back, the people who like go on vacation and they're just like tweeting. All the time. I'm like, dude, just enjoy your vacation. Especially if it's like a, it, I, okay, I understand if it's like a family reunion somewhere and you're just trying to step away from, I don't know, some family dramas. But like, if you're going to like a beach, you should not be getting on like social media. If you, if you want to go on social media, check Twitter or whatever and see what the latest things happen in, you're just relaxing. But like the people who are like tweeting like about everything that's going on in their vacation, I'm like, just enjoy your vacation. Maybe that's just me. No, I, I get that. Yeah. But anyways, like, you know, email off. Mm-hmm. So I get back 
Sunday evening, and then I'm and then I'm thinking about, oh, dude, I'm gonna have to go in on Monday morning, check all the stupid mm. emails from over the weekend, whatever. Like that's 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 bad. Okay, number two on the worst, uh, just tr- the travel in general. Um, you know, there's something fun about when you're traveling out to a place. You have all the hope in the world. Yeah. You know, everything's in front of you. Even if you have to deal with some airport delays or a long drive in front of you or all the travel time or in, in I don't know, conveniences that you have to go through a travel. You're yeah. like, okay, well, the, the goal here is to go. I'm, I'm about to go do something fun. Yeah. That is not the case when you're coming back from the vacation. And that's there's nothing the, worse, too, than when you have those travel inconveniences, like a delayed flight or something goes on in your travel. Yeah, I mean, listen, oh. I personally, if I'm going to get delayed or whatever, I want that to happen at the start of the trip, yeah. not the end. Yeah. I would rather be get delayed just at get the beginning and be, like, annoyed because mm-hmm. then once I get there and I start the trip, I'm going to forget about it. Yeah. But if I'm if I'm delayed on the way back, it's like, oh, dude, this Thanks. If, if you've ever like lost your bag, I mean, that sucks either way, whether you're going there or coming back. But when you're coming back and you're like, okay, I'm ready to just go home, but you can't because you have to wait because the bag, you have to wait for it to come, then it doesn't come, then yeah. you have to wait in line, then you have to talk to the people. It's it's just a mess. Yeah, the, the travel on your way back home when you're just antsy to get home, that that's never fun. <laughs> and then just, you just get grumpy and every little thing bothers you. It Yeah. <laughs> uh, number one worst, though, thing about coming back from vacation is just in general, vacations are fun. Yeah, because okay. I mean, you're having fun by not being on vacation. That's not fun. So here's here's what I put for my number one, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a tandem. It's it's kind of two parts. Number one for me is no money after <laughs> you spend all your money on vacation. That's number one. And then number two is the realization when you get back from your vacation that you're not going to be able to take another vacation for a long time because you've either spent too much money or you know you don't have enough time off to take whatever. So just like. That very sad, depressing feeling of like, I just got back and now I know that I'm not going to be able to do another vacation like this for like some time. Mm-hmm. So those are kind of tandem, I think. I so think no money, fair. plus the realization of not going to be able to take another vacation soon. That's the worst for me. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. It is nice when you have like another vacation in like a month and you're like, oh, cool. Like I'll be, I'll be <laughs> back on it. Okay. On to the best though. Top five best things about coming back from a vacation. Okay. Number five, getting back into a routine. You know, when you first come back, you're you're yeah. almost dreading getting back into that routine. Yeah. But but you know that once I do get back into the routine, I'll stop dreading the stuff that I am dreading. Like oh, you talked about with the Sunday scaries. But once you get back into the routine, you you don't worry about that as much. Yeah. And there is something nice about as much as you do like the vacation. There is something nice about getting on a routine, knowing yeah. what you're doing, and, and just having like, that you know, yeah eating, comfort. Eating breakfast. Mm-hmm. You know your daily routine, whatever. Because like for my vacation, for instance. I was I ate like one meal a day, and that's normally not what I do. Like when I'm in my regular routine, I'm normally like eating pretty consistently. Mm-hmm. So it's like that kind of thing. So yeah, I like that. Okay, uh, number four, eating and drinking healthier. I'll go on vacations. <laughs> I'm eating, you know, not great foods yeah. for you. Yeah. You're drinking and and all that sort of stuff. Then you come back home and. You know, it's it's not just that it's good for you and it's healthier that way, but there are times, and this isn't every time, uh, and sometimes you do go on vacations and you eat just fine. So I, I don't want to say this is every time, but there, especially if you're having like a guys trip or reunion or something, and you may have you know oh, had yeah. a few too many beers, dude, and you just want to come home. You're and, eating wings, yes, burgers, exactly, pizza, fries, pizza. That's wash all it down with beer. That's all you're eating, right? Where, where <laughs> you get home and you're legitimately like, I just want water <laughs> and I want like a salad or a smoothie or or something that I can just like refresh on. You know, <laughs> like there is something nice about that and just 
getting back to, to that kind of thing. Uh, the number three best thing, this goes in line with your number one worst thing, saving money. Yeah. Being back home, being able to save money. Yeah. You know, because yeah. especially if you go out on vacation and you're eating out all the time. Exactly. Yeah. You go over budget. Right. No matter what you do, that's probably going to happen. Going yeah, to exactly. entertainment things, whether it's, I don't know, going to an amusement park or going to a show yep. or going yep. to a concert, whatever, right? Yep. You're going to a sporting event. Like, you're spending money. So, you get back home, you're saving right. more money. How about this one for best uh, mm-hmm. about vacation? Not having to worry about any disasters that happened at work while you were gone. Oh, that is a good one. <laughs> That's a good one. So, like, if anything bad happens, it's like, nope. But see, it depends. If it's something that it is could be, so it, bad. Yes, it could be bad if it bleeds over into you coming correct. back. Correct. But if it's like and now you're you know, having to deal with the brunt of it at the end. But if it's like something like that minimal happened, enough, yeah, exactly. Yeah, to where you know, like, oh, Larry's got that, right? Or whoever, whoever's back at this, you know, holding it down. Yeah, yeah. And nothing's worse than being on vacation and you do like get messages about like, hey, this is going on, like, and, and no, that's you're great just like, because then you can just ignore it. No, no, no. But when, well, yeah, but also like. But I get it. It's a double edged sword. Yeah, no, no, because I I agree with that. I'm like the standpoint of like, hey, I'm on vacation. Like, I'm I'm not getting paid. You know, yeah, I'm like, not. This ain't my problem. Reading I'm any sorry. work messages. Like, I'm I, not. I wish doing, you the best. I'm but. not doing <laughs> yeah, jack. Exactly. Okay, uh, number two best thing: sleeping in your own bed or just like being home. That might be number one. Was where the heart is. I have a number sleeping two. Sleeping in your own bed. Maybe a little controversial. That might be number one for me. Like sleep, dude. I have a really comfortable bed, and I have I, I don't know if I've told you this on the show, but I, you know I have really, I have a I have a queen size bed, and I I. By myself, so I have a lot of space. Okay, and I tend to just sprawl out. Like I'm the type of sleeper that's like, dude, I'll be spread eagle. I'll have a leg kicked out to the side, and my arm is twisted back over my head. Like I roll around. I I'm sleeping. However, so to me, it's great in my own bed because I have that freedom. That's not always the case. If I'm going somewhere else, if I'm in a hotel with a smaller bed, or if I'm you know, staying with a friend and sleeping on like a couch or something like you don't always have that luxury. You should get an Alaskan king if you really want to spread out. Did you know? No, but I'm okay, not, so there's. I'm not the biggest guy in the world, though. It'd just be funny. Um, so you, you have twins. You have your full beds. You have your queens. You have your kings. There's like the California king, which is longer. Um, oh. There's also a Wyoming king. What the what? Which is which is seven Dude, feet by seven feet. I had no idea there was this many beds. And then there's an Alaskan king, which get this, <laughs> it is nine feet by nine feet. Dude, you I wouldn't even have any space in my bedroom for you get, that. Uh, the, like from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory when all the family's like sitting in Dude, the that's, bed. That's like the whole family. so, <laughs> so inefficient. It'd take up the whole room. Exactly. Yeah. That's so inefficient space-wise. <laughs> you wouldn't have room for anything else. Okay. But no, anyway, that's, that's number two. Uh, number ridiculous. one, though, for me, and originally I was going to make sleep in your own bed, and then I thought, well, for me, this, this is specific probably to me and other like people who have this sort of thing, seeing your dog or pet. For the okay, first time coming back. That's a good one. If you leave your dog or pet at the house, we usually leave them at, at my uh, parents-in-law's house. Like, they'll watch them or occasionally we'll have, like, friend watch them or something like that. Whether you do something like that or have somebody dog sit for you or leave them at, like, a, a kennel or one of those overnight stay places or yeah. whatever it is. When you come home and you see your pet for the first time, especially for me, like, this rings true. I don't know how true this would be for, like, cat owners. And it's not me saying that because, like, I'm... Oh, dude, I, I, I am cats. more of a dog person than a cat person, but cats, I think, are more on their own I mean, type the cats, of animals. The cat is not going to be Correct. excited and going crazy to see you, exactly. but I, I think it's nice. No, no, no. I, I do agree. I'm not trying to take away from that, but I, I think specifically with dogs, 
when you get home or when you see them for the first time after you've been gone for a while and they are just so happy and the tails wagging everywhere and they you know they, they thought you left forever and it, it just gives you the biggest smile in the world to be like oh well cool like you know i i might have had going back to the the worst things like man my flight got delayed two hours and i had this uh person sitting in front of me who kept leaning back their chairs and hitting my my knees and stuff and, uh, you know, you get home and you see your dog all happy spinning around in circles and, you know, wanting to play with you and all sorts of stuff. Like, that just brightens up your day. So that, for me, is number one. Okay. this is, I, had an honorable, I had an honorable mention here. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of them, actually. The first one was telling, gloating to your coworkers about how awesome your vacation was. <laughs> but see, To me, that's on there. That's almost rude. That's not rude. Uh, I guess that I don't know. That's it's not that rude. It's a good one. And then this one's just wholesome, you know, mm-hmm. memories. The memories you create on vacation. That probably should have been in the top that five. That could have been in the top five. Yeah. Probably, yeah. At the end of the but day. But I am in agreement with you on the top two, or I would probably put the bed number one for me personally. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't currently have a pet. I've thought about getting one. Haven't done it yet. But, sure. You know. I mean, again, it's dependent on the pet. If you have a goldfish at home, like. I would probably get a cat, though. Yeah. If I were to get a pet. That's fair. So. All right, that is uh, top five best and worst things about coming back from vacation. We have uh, Kevin Flaherty joining us in less than 20 minutes. Coming up next, though, Bill Self spoke with the media. We shared for you audio from earlier in the day. We'll share for you even more coming up next on RCST with KLWN. Depending on it. Welcome back in to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson, and we're joined now by one Kevin Flaherty of 24-7 Sports. I guess we should probably start with the big news of the day, and that involves Zach Clemens, who I just tweeted something out, but uh, uh, fun with synergy numbers. This is perfect example of why you need to not pay attention to things with too small of a sample size. Uh, Kevin, did you know that Zach Clemens is in the 99th percentile on defense last season? That's because he happens to be the best defender in the country. Mm, that I don't is true. See any way that you could dispute that? <laughs> well, I I know Bill Self has mentioned he's you know his list of Cole Aldridge, Jeff Withy, Marcus Garrett, uh, Kevin McCuller, and you know Zach Clements. Like uh, those guys are always mentioned in the same sentence. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all very similar level defenders. <laughs> I, I don't think there's any doubt that you know based on what Clements is. It's put on the court with those stats that he should be included in that group. Okay, so but in all honesty, with uh, with Zach Clements, you know, KU is is at a point where um, you, you add some extra depth, you add some uh, extra player who, who still, I think, the long term potential, the, the possibility, and, and who knows if he gets there, of what Zach Clements could become is still at least a little bit interesting. Uh, why why does this move make sense to you from I guess both parties? Yeah, I think it does make sense for both. You know, for Kansas, you basically get cover in case something happens, right? God forbid something that happens to Hunter Dickinson or, or even, you know, to, to Barker Brown. You know, you you have a little more cover there at the center position just in case. You know, like you were saying, you know, there are some skills and some things that you can develop with Zach Clements as he continues to get stronger in the weight room. He's a guy that is shown to have some shooting touch, whether that's around the rim, whether that's, you know, in high school, he was over a 40% three-point shooter. I know he hasn't shot that at the college level just yet, but there are some things to like there in terms of trying to develop it and bring more of that out. I think he needs to get stronger. I think even beyond that, you know, maybe you need to hone in on some intensity and some things defensively. 
you know, one of the tough things I, I think about playing center for for Bill Self is the fact that, hey, if you're in the wrong spot or you take a play off, somebody might score on that possession. And, and so I, I think there are definitely some things you can continue to work on with him. And so from Kansas's standpoint, that really makes a lot of sense. From Clements' standpoint, you look at the fact that, hey, this is a situation that if Hunter Dickinson leaves after this year and you do the things that you're supposed to do, you show up in the weight room, you condition, you you know bang bodies with Hunter Dickinson every day of practice, you continue to improve your game and everything, you potentially have a line on the starting spot at center at Kansas next year when you look at the way that guys could develop and come along. K.J. Adams, we think, is going to play more of the four this year. And so, you know, theoretically, K.J. could continue to add skills that would make him more likely to stick it at the four than the five. And, and so it does make a lot of sense for Clements to do all that. And even beyond that, taking the red shirt for Clements, you don't lose anything by coming back and being behind Dickinson and being behind Brown and working on your game. You, you really don't. And so I do think it makes a lot of sense for both parties. Well, and, and- uh, you brought up KJ Adams there, which I, th- I think is so interesting because how, I, I don't know how many conversations me and you have had on this show j- just on its own, and you know many others have had this conversation too about it. Just seems like down the road, and, and who knows if it gets to this point because I think there's a situation where you know what if Hunter Dickinson does come back next season, and what if Zach Clements is just in the same boat and he goes, actually, I'm going to transfer again, right? Like that could happen too, or there is the real scenario of. of to my point of what we've talked about so often, like if it does work with Zach Clements, the front court pairing of KJ Adams and Zach Clements just stylistically seems to be pretty perfect. Yeah, and it, and it's funny because I I think you can trace that pairing back almost to, to Bill Self coaching with Team USA when you look at what he had with that group when he had Matthew Hurt and Jeremiah Robinson Earl. You know, Jeremiah Robinson Earl was a guy that at the time, I know he wound up shooting better from distance, you know, at Villanova. It was something that he added to his game. But at the time, you know, he was kind of an undersized five almost. He was more comfortable on offense playing around the rim. And then you had Matthew Hurt, who was more of a center-sized guy, but was more comfortable shooting from the outside. And, and so you could mix and match and do some different things where basically Matthew Hurt was your center defensively and Robinson Earl was your four defensively, but almost your center on offense, whereas Matthew Hurt was then allowed to to play around the arc. And one of the cool things, I think, if you watch some of those teams play, was Bill Self was able to get Matthew Hurt, who was playing center, some really nice open step-into-three-point type looks. And, And I think... With the way that today's game goes, with the way that college basketball goes, and with the fact that there's still a market in college basketball for sort of what you would call the dinosaur big man, having a center who can come down and transition and just sort of stop at the three-point line and get a really high percentage look, that's a really valuable attribute if that guy can knock that down. And so you pair that next to K.J. Adams, somebody that – you know, is kind of expanding his game. I know all of us were obviously at the at the scrimmage last week and and were able to see, you know, something that would probably blow up Fognet if uh, if they had seen it where K 
KJ took sort of a hard dribble by the th- by the free throw line and wound up making an 18 foot jump shot. You know, it, as that stuff starts coming a little more naturally to him, as he starts being more comfortable taking guys off of the bounce, uh, I think that that could be a really good front court pairing if both of them continue to develop. Yeah. It, now, now, do you think it's more likely that that Clemens does end up hitting that ceiling and and maybe becoming a starter in twenty twenty four or twenty twenty five, or do you think it's more likely that he eventually becomes I don't know maybe Mitch Lightfoot role, but with uh, more three point potential? You know, it, it's tough to tell, and obviously, there are different things that are going to impact that. One is, hey, does does Hunter Dickinson come back like you talked about? Two, you know, are there transfer guys out there that that you just you can't live without because they're out there and and they're good enough and you say, hey, we're going to grab a, a star like a Hunter Dickinson in the transfer portal. And the other thing is, you don't know what you're doing with recruiting. But I do think that there's a there's a chance there there is a window for Clements. There, he takes a redshirt year this year, really dedicates himself, gets better. And he does come out next year at least as a competitor for that starting job, if not winning it outright. Remember, last year at this time, you know, a lot of us thought that Zach Clements was going to be the starting five, and it didn't wind up working out for different reasons. KJ Adams obviously made a significant improvement and and wound up playing pretty well as as an undersized five. But I definitely think that there's a universe out there, and I think. Bill Self, if you if you poured some truth serum down his throat, would tell you he likes having standing height at that five spot. There's definitely a window there. Uh, I think that that he has a chance to go through. It's just Clements is going to have to choose to go through that window, and he's going to have to to continue to develop and make the improvements necessary to get there. Well, we're uh, you know not totally sure, I guess, if if KU is going to add a twelfth player or not. Uh, some news around the Big 12 with West Virginia, Bob Huggins resigning and everything. And uh, so far, nobody has, at least that I've seen, has, I guess, re-entered the portal from that team. They, they're bringing on, you know, five transfers. Uh, let's say any and all of them would hypothetically enter the portal. Do, do any of them make sense at this point, do you think, for Kansas? Yeah, I I think when, you, when you're looking at filling your last roster spot, especially, yeah, I think Kansas is good at point guard. And so I, I don't think Kirk Creasa would really be somebody that would trip Kansas's trigger, especially not with El Marco Jackson as such a talented player, you know, sitting right there who's going to kind of probably split his minutes between the one and the two this year. Uh, if you wanted to go get, you know, more scoring on the wing, you know, Raekwon Battle is a guy that could potentially make some sense and you could look at it. And, it would make sense and also not make sense to go after Jesse Edwards. It makes sense because you're talking about potentially a top five transfer in the country, top 10 transfer in the country at center. Obviously you already have Hunter Dickinson and Jesse Edwards is probably not going to come knowing that you have Hunter Dickinson. But if you were somehow able to convince him that, Hey, you know, you, you can come and enjoy your, your 10 minutes a game or whatever, you know, the talent level would make sense. The fact that Kansas could use another another big guy or another guy through there would, would make sense. But at the same time, I, I think that it's hard seeing the fit from Jesse Edwards' point of view. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess just sticking with West Virginia, I, I don't know if 
if there's been anything talking about possible rumored head coaches or anything, but does anybody make sense to you on, on what could be a, a very good job in the Big 12? Well, I, I'm a fan of this guy, uh, but I, I would absolutely, if I were West Virginia, I would go and kick Steve Forbes' door down, put a paper bag over his head, and like pull it off when he was in Morgantown. Like I wouldn't even give him a choice, basically. <laughs> you know, when you, when you look at, at West Virginia, it's, it's a better job than a lot of people think for a lot of reasons. One, I mean, it's proven you can win there. But two, you look at the NIL, you look at how attractive they've been to transfers. And Steve Forbes, you know, you work somewhat uphill when you're recruiting to Wake Forest. And yet, you look at one of the things that he's been able to do is he's kind of been able to reboot some guys' careers when you look at guys who have transferred in. A guy that we're very familiar with from the Big 12 is Alondis Williams from Oklahoma. You know, he was a guy that I thought flashed some game over the course of his Oklahoma career but couldn't really get on the court for consistent periods of time. And then he goes to Wake Forest and he's ACC Player of the Year. You know, you look at Tyree Appleby is another guy that – you know, was a guy at Florida and was kind of just a guy. And then he goes to Wake Forest and he's a first team all big, all uh, ACC guy. And so I think he does a really good job of, of getting players to kind of find their confidence levels and play for them. And I know we had a, a chance to see, you know, Steve Forbes and everything, you know, play against Kansas when, before he got to Wake Forest. But I, I think he's a really good coach. I think he fits sort of the transfer model he would do really well with the nil there and everything and i just think he's a really good coach who makes a lot of sense for that area and so forbes is a guy that if i were a west virginia booster i i would definitely be pointing to him there are some other guys that that might be kind of interesting that you might look into a, a little bit more i i think you know mike morell at unc Asheville is kind of interesting even though he's not at a major conference job the fact that he was able to build a team that had so much fluidity offensively and so much talent offensively. I think they'd be really fun to watch. He was a guy that was an assistant at Texas under Shaka Smart, so he's familiar with the Big 12. And so I do think that there are other options out there, but I think Steve Forbes would be my first, second, third, fourth, and pretty much every call until I got arrested for harassment. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh Let's see, uh, Ben McCollum, maybe. Does, does that name do anything? Yeah. Uh, the Northwest Missouri State, do you think there's a real shot there? Uh, I think that, I think he would be interesting. I, I don't know that I would go that direction, but it, it just there are other candidates and other people. Like I said, I, I myself, and, and maybe I shouldn't, I've kind of honed in on Forbes. There are other guys that I think would do well there, and I get I guess the theory, too, you know, I'm sure you guys saw Dick Vitale tweeted out that, that they should go get uh, Tom Crean for the for the season or for the interim or, or whatever. And the problem then is this is a pretty good West Virginia team, I think. I think we've talked about that on this show, potentially a top 25 team. What happens if Tom Crean pulls a Rodney Terry, right? Are you, do, you, do you really want, you know, Tom Crean – to be your coach at West Virginia. And if the answer to that question is, yes, we would love to have Tom Crean there, then, you know, go for it. But otherwise, you don't want to put yourself in an interim spot where you're forced to hire the interim guy because he had success with a roster that wasn't his own. KU football recruiting question with 
uh, them continuing to roll in commits. I've joked around that Lance Leipold right now is addicted to making commitments. Um, <laughs> when, you, when you look at this class of 2024 and, and thinking about the Big 12 big picture, uh, I know you, you tweeted out the Big 12 rankings with, with the teams for next year and Kansas ranked number three. Obviously, you know, I, I was surprised with how high West Virginia is up there with uh, maybe some of the Neil Brown hot seat type of rumors. How critical are these next, uh, I don't know, two or three classes, 2024, 2025, 2026, going to be to kind of asserting dominance at the beginning of this this new age Big 12? Yeah, I think they're really important because you're able to, to point to that momentum. Recruiting is all about momentum. And when you have it, you know, you can open doors you couldn't get into. When you don't have it, then you can see a lot of those doors slammed in your face. Now, West Virginia is, is usually going to recruit fairly well because of their recruiting ground, because of their recruiting history. I, I think if you were to ask me even before this class and say, hey, who's going to recruit the best out of the remaining Big 12 schools, I probably would have had West Virginia top three or four because they usually do seem to have shots with guys who are on the East Coast. They'll pick up the odd four-star guy where you say, oh, my gosh, how'd they go into Florida and get this guy? And so I, I do think that that's a big part of it. I think Texas Tech being one on that list, it wasn't a surprise. I think all of us expected Joey McGuire to come in and recruit. But at the same time, I do find it fascinating if you go ahead and look at, at sort of that little Texas triangle with, with Texas leaving Texas uh, square, I guess you would say now, of uh, Texas Tech, Houston, Baylor, and TCU. Texas Tech is the one that's, you know, not as close to the, the quote-unquote recruiting, you know, fertile grounds where you're not as close to East Texas even where you can pull a lot of sleepers that are really good in that area. You're not as close to Houston as Houston. You're not as close to Central Texas, which is a great recruiting ground, as Baylor is. You're not as close to Dallas, obviously, as TCU is being in Fort Worth, and yet TC and yet Texas Tech is recruiting at this level. And so, I think that you know that foursome really is something to watch early in the Big Twelve, the next two or three classes, like you're talking about, because I, I think that could be one of those things of hey, does. Does Texas Tech establish itself as the recruiting power uh, out of those four schools? If that winds up happening, you know Texas Tech may have a have a leg up in becoming one of sort of the power schools of the first few years of the new Big Twelve. Our weekly tradition is the local prospect of the week. Last week it was Andrew Babalola, and like a day or two after we did that, he ended up getting an offer from from KU. So, who is your local prospect of the week this week? And uh, uh, I guess we'll we'll see if the, the streak can continue if another KU offer comes immediately after. <laughs> well, this, this one won't work for that because Juju Marks has uh, has had a Kansas offer for considerably mm. a, a a while. You know, and I can't remember. Have you guys seen him at St. Thomas Aquinas? No, we haven't done an Aquinas game. Okay, so Juju Marks is, and he was last year as a sophomore, six foot six and two hundred and sixty pounds. <laughs> And he is a defensive lineman. You see him, and you think he's an offensive tackle, and you talk to people around him, and or and they say, hey, he's probably you know an offensive tackle build-wise and everything. And then you see him on the football field, and you see those few like special reps where he comes off the ball low and hard and, and everything else, and you say, huh, 
He just kick and play whatever he wants <laughs> in terms of <laughs> offensive line or, or defensive line. We had a chance to see him in person, both on the football field, and then you know we saw him this spring over uh, at UC Report Camp, where he was in a defensive line group that included guys with Alabama offers, a kid that was committed to Oregon, and Juju's starting to stack up those sorts of offers. Remember, he's a 2025 guy, so he's about to enter his junior year of high school. How many guys that are about to enter their junior years of high school have USC, Michigan, Tennessee, and Oregon among their 20 or so offers? Pretty good. So it, it, it's, it's gotten out. <laughs> Juju is a guy to watch. Obviously, both Kansas and Kansas State know about him. They've offered him. They're talking to him. But uh, if they want to keep him in state, it's, it's going to be quite the battle because Juju's going to have a lot of options and if he's got all those options right now, you know, it, it would not be a surprise to see, you know, some of the other nations recruiting powers and, and teams that are in the college football playoff fairly regularly. I guess he's already got Michigan uh, enter enter the fray. So he'll be one to watch. And if you guys get a chance to see him this fall, I would highly recommend it. He does not look like your average high school football player, as you can imagine. All right. He's Kevin Flaherty, 24-7 sports. Kevin, I appreciate the time as always, man. Have a good rest of your day. All right, thanks a lot, guys. All right, that's Kevin Flaherty. Again, check out all his work, 24-7 Sports. You can find him at kflaherty247 on uh, social media. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST. Two hours down, one to go. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We'll have some more Bill Self audio coming up in our next segment from right now. We're going to have Do We Give a Bleep here in just a moment. Before we do that, though, another NBA draft uh, prospect profile. This would be one Bob Maloney. We send it back to Joel to learn more about this unheralded prospect. Bob Maloney. Born with one eight-foot-long arm and one two-foot-long arm, six-foot-ten Bob Maloney is one of the more confusing draft prospects in 2023. His long arm allows him to dunk while standing on the floor from the free-throw line, while his short arm allows a repeatable, pure shooting form. Unfortunately, because of the difference, Maloney literally cannot dribble the basketball and also has trouble grasping rebounds with two uneven lengths. His most notable performance came in the C Septuple Y tournament from Muffle University, when he had 40 points on 20 for 20 shooting, just two rebounds, 24 blocks, and 12 goaltending calls. Look for a team who runs a drop coverage scheme to hone in on Maloney come draft night. Okay, that's an interesting one. Where would you draft? So you're him? telling me that his arm is so long he it has to bend at all times. I guess eight feet long. Because if he's six foot ten <laughs> and his and his arm is eight feet long, that means his arm is constantly bent. He can't hold it straight unless he's like straight out to his side or like high up. And also, I have a question about the weight distribution situation here. Mm-hmm. How does he walk? <laughs> I mean, Do you think he only you, does weights well, on dude, one side of his body? Well, no, I'm so just saying, like, out? if you've got two different links like that, your left arm is going to be way significantly lighter than your right arm. Yeah, he, that or might be a, a problem for his draft prospect. Like, so it's like, how do you walk? Yeah. What, because you know, you're like, you know. 
Yeah, maybe like his uh, one knee is going to be more problematic because he's going to be used to like putting more weight on it. Stomping or on right. His, well, like you hear those stories sometimes right. that somebody who tears their like right ACL and then they eventually tear their left ACL because they they put too much um, like in the recovery process on their left knee. Huh. You know, like they, like they overcompensate. I had not heard that, yeah, that happens sometimes. So I don't know. That could be a problem for him. But he can dunk from the free throw line and has a repeatable shooting form in another hand. But yeah, you have like the, the but again he can one only arm catch is longer the ball. than the other. So yeah, you he, get can, the ball. he can only catch the ball in one hand, and yeah, also like dribble hand he off. can't even transition from one hand to the other. <laughs> no. So whatever hand he catches he's a set it with, still he's player. stuck. Yeah, you gotta just like hand him the ball. But I guess he has eight foot arms, so he could just reach out and grab it pretty easily from you, right? I you'd be a few I, feet away. I don't know. I guess. Mm. He's I have a lot of questions about how. Like, right, are you taking Bob Maloney your or arm? uh? If your arm's eight feet long, it, it, you would break it. Are you taking Maloney or Touche? I'm taking Touche. I'm taking 100%. Touche. Okay. No, this guy. This guy's a walking liability. <laughs> oh gosh! All right. Uh, time to get into another episode of Do We Give a Bleep here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, where we tell you if we give a bleep or not about something. Uh, first up here is the Conference USA, the college conference they took to social media to announce that the hyphen has uh r.i.p to the hyphen i guess basically is what they're saying because typically if you looked at conference usa the actual logo it was c dash usa they're getting rid of the hyphen it is now just c usa for the abbreviation no, 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 no. this is a mandela effect type thing because mm. i always assumed there was no dash so guess what? Now I definitely gonna... don't give a bleep about this because I already thought there wasn't a dash to begin with. <laughs> I definitely don't give a bleep. This does nothing for me. Well, I, I just thought it was already there. One or dash, it wasn't there. Four dashes. You like, can have what a does dash, it matter? Have a dash between every letter. I wouldn't care. Like, what? I mean, what? what I don't understand. No. What's the big deal? It the has big no deal impact here? on anything either. No, it has a huge impact probably for the CUSA because think about it. If you have to print out media guides and stuff like that, Think about all the extra ink you have to use <laughs> on the dash in CUSA. It sounds silly, so but much that's money. a good point. You could save ridiculous, so much money. Yeah, so much money on ink. You know, Like one cent per page. Mm, great point. But that could add up. But no, I don't give a bleep at all. I don't give a bleep because I already thought this was the case. So this is not any anything new. Draymond Green declined his player option. Mike Dunleavy Jr., who's the new GM for the Warriors, which that's weird. That is uh, weird. He I says, was really confused by that. Yeah, I was he, like, who? He says they want him back. Uh, do you give a bleep about any of this? I I mean, not really, to be honest. Like, I feel like he's probably going to end up being back. I don't know. Maybe not. Like, where? Like, I mean, can you feasibly see him being successful on any other team? Because I can't. Well, I guess it depends. The thing is, like, he is he's a good winning player, but he's... But why it, it, he's, he's a good, a good winning, winning player, player because as, he's with Steph Curry, right? Because he's not going to be someone who's going to like score a bunch of points for you. Like he's 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 a really good defender and he does exactly. a lot like, of things like, well. Let's break this down. What does he really do well? Well, he's a great defender. He is a great defender. Like I mean, he's been multi-time Defensive Player of the Year and like he's really high IQ player in that regard. He's a good passer. He's a good rebounder. Um, but yeah, he's not really a scorer. He's not really a good shooter. He's not going to create offense for you. So if he ends up with like a team with the Pistons or something where he's getting like $30, $40 million a year, that ain't going to do much. I just don't see him being successful on any team that is not the Warriors. So I don't really give a bleep to be honest. Because like if he goes somewhere else, like it's not gonna have he's that just going to fade into obscurity probably. And if he plays for the Warriors again, then big whoop. Yeah. What what's the big deal? 
Yeah, I don't give I don't give a ton of belief. I, I feel like he's just going to end up back with the Warriors, though. That's and, what I and also, I don't know that, to your point, it's going to have, like, cascading effect on, on what happens in the NBA this year. But it is a pretty big for agent, that's for sure. Sure. Uh, the Mountain West will not approve any exceptions for San Diego State. Uh, the, the letter was sent to San Diego State on Friday informing the school that at this time, the conference will not approve any exceptions the school had requested uh, the previous week when it gave notice that it intends to resign from the conference. According to Pete Thamel of ESPN, San Diego State had requested a one-month extension given unforeseen delays involving other collegiate athletic conferences beyond our control, plus a reduced exit fee or the ability to pay the exit fee in installments. The Mountain West letter on Friday was in response to that assertion. Assertion. Uh, the conference also said it did not accept the school's claim that it had not given formal notice of resignation. San Diego State would need to give a year's notice to withdraw next June, and the exit fee would be due then. If it waits past June 30th of this year, the exit fee owed would jump nearly $16.5 million to nearly $34 million. As of now, there does not appear to be any invitation to San Diego State from a Power 5 conference, though... That could change. Uh, San Diego State is attempting to explore all options that the Pac-12 doesn't get a TV deal done by June 30th, a source said last week. Do you have a bleep? <laughs> that was a long one. Sorry. Okay. So long story short, mm-hmm. San Diego State wants out and the Mountain West is giving them the finger. Basically. Yes. I I mean, I, I, think, I think I have to give a bleep a little bit because of the fact that San Diego State was a school that was rumored the Big 12 might be interested in. This could be impacting the Big 12. So I give a bleep from that standpoint. And I think San Diego State would be a fun school to have in the Big 12. Obviously, they just made a Final Four. So if Brett Yormark is, you know, he made all he made those comments about how he's trying to build basketball and wants basketball to be a, a pillar of the Big 12, San Diego State makes sense from that standpoint. Knock yourself out. So I have to give a bleep, I think, a little bit. I definitely don't give a bleep about all the crap you said. So that long, I don't... <laughs> give me the short and sweet here. The short and sweet here is... San Diego State wants out. Mountain West is giving them the finger. And if they can't get out now, they're going to have to pay a big fine or whatever. I don't know. I don't care about any of that crap. What I care about is if San Diego State's going to get out now, would they come to the Big 12? Okay. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. so I, I, I actually agree with you. I don't give a belief about all the, the details. Just let me know the end result. <laughs> uh, and if it does end up being them going to the Pac-12 like, or the Big 12, I, know, g- I give if this was like, If this was like, I don't know, like Ohio State coming to the Big 12. Possibly, or, so, or something like that. Then the details, oh, sure, give me all that. I want to know all the details. Mm-hmm. It's San Diego State, okay? Like, joining the Big 12, they're going to move the needle a little bit, but, like, are we really getting all, you know, excited about San Diego State? Nah. No. Like, I'm fine. Like, it's I would be cool with it. It's interesting. Solid addition. I think it would be a fun addition. But, yeah, it's but, not. But, like, it's not, like, groundbreaking, right? I think it's a good way of putting it. Uh, Luis Arias, the Miami Marlin. He went five for five last night. Do you give a bleep? Okay. So, I got to be honest. I don't give a bleep. Here's why I don't give a bleep. First of all, you left out the the, bet, the most important part of the story. The fact that he went five for five now puts him bidding over five, over 400 for the year. Again. Yeah. Yeah, he actually, he was 0 for, so this is kind of crazy. He was 0 for 50. He had an 0 for 15 stretch. And then he had a five for five game. Then he had a game in between, and then he had this five for five game. So it's his second one in the last three games. Wow! And he went from hitting like three eighty to four hundred. So he's back to also his third five for five game in the last month. So he's hitting five. He's hitting four hundred again. Which the only other guy, the only guy that's hit four hundred was I'm blanking on his name. Somebody uh, in like the 1940s. I almost said Ty Cobb. Uh, but, uh Ted Williams. Ted Williams. Mm-hmm. He hit four hundred for the whole season. Mm-hmm. Here is why I don't give a bleep about this Luis Arias guy. 
It's June 20th. We got two months left in the season. Okay? So more come talk to me more than that. Because baseball takes 800 million years because it's stupid. <laughs> okay? So come talk to me in like late August. Mm-hmm. And if he's still hitting 400 or close to 400, I might give a bleep. It's June 20th. Dude's got to play 90 more games. No, I don't give a bleep right now. Okay. Sorry. Also, you play for the Marlins. Wow. Marlins? Dude, have you seen the Marlins? I, I haven't. You know why? I don't give a bleep with the Marlins either. If I just asked MLB, if I just asked baseball on do we give a bleep, what would you say? <laughs> I give a bleep about baseball. Okay. I watch baseball sometimes. The Marlins have uh, now, they're on a winning streak. I think they won like seven in a row or something like that. They're 42 and 31, Nick. Wow. Good job, Marlins. Meanwhile, the Royals just suck in the Marlins. Yeah. Congrats Good. to the Marlins on winning the midseason World Series. Good job. I do Great. give a bleep. This is really cool, and uh, he's a really fun player. He's He has as many doubles as he has strikeouts. This guy's unbelievable. That's that's cool, I guess. Inter-Miami is targeting July 21st for Messi's debut. I, I give a bleep. a bleep about this a little bit. I think it's cool. I mean, So by saying you, will, you give a bleep, that means, to me, you will watch it. Well, if it's, like, easily accessible... And it's during when I don't have something else going on. If it's this, if it's this, if it's that, if it's that, if it's that, then maybe I'll watch it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What? What? Let's see. What? What day is July twenty first? What day of the week is that? July twenty. What the? Oh, I'm trying to learn my calendar. Oh, that's a Friday night. By the way, that would be like an underrated superpower if you just happen to know any date ever, whether like what day of the week it was. was. You know, very underrated. Well, there are people like that. I think. People Probably. have like photographic memories. Yeah, if they saw the calendar, or like, where uh, I could be or like, like, or like Sean McVay. Remember with the, the video yeah. of Sean McVay where it was like on this play on second and six with 13 minutes left in the first quarter, what happened? And he tells you. Yeah, but like if I was like uh, January 28th, 2025, and you're like, oh, that's a Tuesday. Or no, whatever I think it is, I think know? there are people that actually have that ability. I'm serious. Incredible. I yeah. Well, so I I do. But not, anyways, I I'll, I I'll, I I give a little bit of a bleep. Like I think it's cool. It's fun. Americans can pretend to care about soccer for like. You know, a little bit, and that's cool. So I guess that includes me. Okay. But I don't know. So I give a little bit of a bleep. I give a little bit of a bleep just because I think it's interesting to see what Messi does in the MLS. But I also do not give a bleep from the standpoint of like, there's a good chance I probably won't end up watching the game. Even if I'm oh, not, I'll see even, highlights. If, even if I don't watch the game, I will definitely like pay attention, and I'll be like, yeah, I'll be. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's that's cool. a good point. Yeah. Uh, last one, Dalvin Cook would like to team up with DeAndre Hopkins, your favorite. Speaking Monday on the Adam <laughs> Schefter podcast, Cook said of Hopkins, if we end up on the same roster, that would be something epic for the NFL. Okay, two things. First of all, one, no, it would not be epic. <laughs> what, who do you think you are? You I both mean, got released. He's, dude, he's making that statement as if, like, there was, he's the greatest running back ever and Hopkins is the greatest wide receiver ever. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to have Jerry Rice and Jim Brown team up. That's mm-hmm. what he's basically what he's saying, is it not? That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. You're an idiot. No, that's wrong. Okay. Number two, I don't give a bleep. No, because first of all, they're not going to end up on the same team because they're both probably asking for ridiculous amounts of money that's not going to allow a team to sign both of them. I mean, have some self-awareness here, people. Come on. What are we doing? I mean, what are we doing here? <laughs> there's, there's, they're not going to end up on the same team. It's not possible. So no, I don't give a bleep. I don't care what Dalvin Cook says. DeAndre Hopkins, the longer he doesn't get signed, the more likely he might be a chief. Which is fine, I guess, but he's really annoying me also. Okay. He is uh, Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Yeah, for what it's worth, I don't give a bleep about that either. Um, all right, we got some more Bill they're Self audio. The, they're not going to end up on the same team. Yeah. I do give it's a bleep. It's not going to happen. I do give a bleep about 
what uh, Bill Self said earlier today, and we'll share the rest of that for you on the other side. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. This is RCST. You're listening on KLWN. Depend on it. Thanks for listening to the Best of RCST podcast. And a reminder, you can catch our show Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 live on KLWN in Lawrence, 101.7 FM, 1320 AM, or anywhere you're online at klwn.com or the KLWN app. Thanks for listening.